Hey, Cracked fans. If you're a listener of this podcast, I imagine you feel fairly similar to how I do about the latest clothing options made available across the tennis market. Now, while I won't call out any brand in particular, I will say this. Given the exorbitant nature of the latest designs, feels like you better be pretty freaking good at tennis if you want to wear that sort of clothing on the court. Now, thankfully, we here at Crack Rackets are now able to provide a far more suitable, far more comfortable, and I'm going to be honest, far more stylish option for all of our Crack Rackets fans, courtesy of our friends over at Lucky Racket. Lucky Racket uses some of the best fitting and feeling teams in the world. Their shirts are combed, ring-spun, heirloom cotton, and tri-blend Bella and Canvas. I don't even know what that means, but that sounds spectacular. I will say this. I know they use an eco-friendly process, and they are committed to making tees responsibly and have minimized their ecological footprint at every stage of their production process. Do we want tennis to exist in the 2020s, 2030s, 2040s? Do we want to see how good these next-gen players can be. Probably pretty important our planet doesn't burn down. Lucky Racket has the right idea. Even printing and shipping is done sustainably with limited waste. And listeners of these podcasts know we love our American tennis fans. I've declared this the summer of the young American male tennis player. Well, thankfully, our friends at Lucky Racket, they're right along with that theme. They believe in building in America. Their manufacturer has created thousands of jobs and is the largest dire and cutter of apparel in the USA. Some garments are sewn together in Honduras or Nicaragua. Nicaragua, but all design and prints done right here in the United States of America. Premium crafted tees, eco-friendly process, USA strong production, sustainable, comfortable, stylish, doesn't get better than that, folks. And if you go to their website, luckyracket.com, that's L-U-C-K-Y-R-A-C-K-E-T.com, you can take advantage of their latest deals as well as part of their summer sweepstakes. They've got so many great options for all of you listeners and including for summer is for tennis sales up to 50% off right now if you join the lucky racket fan list you can also get 10% off sale price again so many options a great product we can thoroughly endorse here at crack rackets luckyracket.com be sure to check it out today Storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world today is Monday, August 9th. I do apologize for the delay in the release of today's episode. I made my journey all the way from Washington, D.C. back to my hometown of Franklin, Michigan. Going to hang out with my parents during the week as I commute back and forth to the USTA Boys 16s and 18s National Championships in Kalamazoo. Super excited to be on site for that action. Not only does 
the winner, earn a wild card into the main draw of the U.S. Open in the 18s event. 16s winner gets that U.S. Open junior wild card as well. But of course, this is going to be the first time so many college coaches are able to see these prospects play in person. And so, going to have the chance to chat with a bunch of college coaches on site in Kalamazoo. You're going to be able to watch all of those interviews on our YouTube channel. You're going to be able to hear them on our Cracked Interviews podcast feed. Going to talk to Colette Lewis about the action happening there as well. Of course, I am well aware action in Canada already underway. We've got the Canada Masters event. I believe the men in Toronto, the women in Montreal. I apologize we weren't able to preview it. Obviously, I was all the way dived into the 2021 City Open, and that is what I'm going to be talking about on today's podcast. I just want to cover that final, cover some of the advanced metrics, how they've changed, you know, the ELO ratings and the top 15 2025 clubs as a reflection of that City Open result. But unfortunately, I still haven't watched San Jose. I know Daniel Collins' 10-match win streak. Talk about taking advantage of the momentum you build in that post-Wimbledon Europe clay court stretch. She made the most of her schedule. Didn't play the Olympics. Played those 250 events. Built her confidence. 10-match win streak heading into some big events here in the hard court summer. And we all know Danielle Collins' peak can be super, super high. She's a Grand Slam semifinalist. And so... I want to watch her run in San Jose before I discuss that. I know there were other results last week as well. I can only really speak to the action I saw unfold in D.C. So that is going to be the theme of today's episode. I want to talk about Yannick Sinner becoming the youngest player in ATP Tour history to win a 500-level event. Now, of course the 500 level, relatively new. I want to say it was a mid-2000s invention, but of course, for Yannick Sinner, it's his third title in four finals in the past year uh, since November of 2020. He now ascends to a new career high of number 15 in the ATP rankings, and look, we've talked about it, I want to say, since we had Ben on the 2019 next uh, Great Shot Podcast Next Gen Tier show that we did, where he declared Sinner a Tier 1 guy. I had him halfway between Tier 1 and Tier 2. Obviously, Ben's take proving correct in this instance. Ben knows Ginger's better than anybody. But look for Yannick Sinner to win the 500 title. Do it as comfortably as he did. Show noticeable improvement in what has been statistically, I suppose, one of the weakest parts of his game. And I think I test as well his serve. And, you know, for him to talk all week about how he didn't play the Olympics to use it as a training block to improve that serve. I want to talk about his performance in what was certainly a fantastic match filled with drama three-set final. He wins over Mackenzie McDonald in the end for Sinner. It's a 7-5-4-6-7-5 victory. I want to talk about that match, talk about the 10-set pl- points blown by Sinner in set number one. Mackey's comeback from 5-2 down in set number three as well. And then, you know, again, offer some other takeaways, how the numbers, advanced metrics, and otherwise have changed over the past week. Of course, before I do any of that, I want to remind all of you listeners that the reason we are able to do this day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you, the support we get from our Crack Rackets Patreon family, and of course, the support we get from our friends over at Tennis Point. You all know the deal. Tennis-point.com for the best equipment at the best prices. If you use our promo code CR15, you'll get 15% off your order free. Two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, we are so grateful for their continued support. The least we can do, ask you 
you to support them as well. Tennis Dashpoint, the symbol, not the spelling, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. Again, I promise, I, maybe not tomorrow because I'm going to Kalamazoo. No, I, it is going to be tomorrow because I'm going to Kalamazoo, but I'm going to have the opportunity to watch some tennis, certainly, hopefully, throughout the day and be able to catch you all up and then get us going for the, the 1,000-level event happening in Canada. But for now, let's wrap the or put the final bow, I suppose, on the action in D.C. The Sin Man, Yannick Sinner delivers the title, gets his first, as I mentioned, ATP 500 level of victory, 7-5-4-6-7-5 in the final over Mackenzie McDonald. You look for Sinner now. He's 45-21 and 21 in his last 52 weeks of play. That's a 68% win percentage. What do we say all of the time here? When you're winning two-thirds of your matches at any given level, it's time for you to progress up the rankings. And you look for Yannick Sinner, who goes unranked at the start of 2019 to, you know, uh, to... Inside, yeah, I think it was number 30, or it was like right inside the top 100 by the end, and then he's at to number 37, I believe, by the end of 2020. Now he's up to number 15 in the rankings. Those are the sort of jumps, the constant progressions. Go to the challenger level, dominate it. Go to the 250 level, win two titles. Now when you're first at the 500 level as well, the ascension you see from a player who ultimately ends up as a top 10, top 5 sort of guy in the ATP Tour ecosystem, and you look for Yannick Sinner over these last 52 weeks. And I mentioned some of these stats earlier, but 20 and 14 against top 50 opponents, 8 and 10 against the top 20, 3 and 8 against the top 10. It's worth remembering he's doing all of this at the age of 19 years old. And of all the players born 2000 or later, he's the guy with the most titles. He's got three. That's the leader in the group. And I've mentioned this club repeatedly because it's starting to make sense to me. You know, FAA's made eight titles, uh, eight finals, excuse me. Sinner's made four. Korda and Nakashima, two. Those are your 2000 or later leaders. Yannick Sinner's the leader of that group right now. He's surpassed, uh, certainly, Felix Ogier, Ali Seaman. Yes, Felix has made fourth round at three of the four majors, but Yannick made a quarterfinal at the 2020 French Open, and you just see the power tennis that he plays. He can reach a speed that very few, if any, can match, and it's off of both wings. Forehand, backhand, so fundamentally sound, so compact off of both strokes as well. It's not as though there's this big whip or a glaring, discernible weakness from the baseline, and I mentioned this on yesterday's podcast, but watching him in person, he is every bit the 6'2". He is listed at, and it's a lot of arms, it's a lot of legs, but that length is real, and his ability to take that ball early, hit the ball cleanly, just to open up angle when he whips that forehand across quarter, his ability to open up angle with the backhand wing. He's one of those few guys I mentioned. It. It's like Djokovic, Zverev, Sinner. I mean, there are a couple other in there as well, but who can actually hit through court, cross court off of their backhand wing. That's how dynamic he is off of both sides. And then he's an incredible volleyer. Like his ability to move forward, finish at the net, not only know where to go, what to do, but actually have feel, play the drop shot, play a little bit of slice on the backhand side. He can do a little bit of everything. And his gear from start to finish was better than Mackie McDonald's, and yet Mackie hung around, and Mackie competed so well all week long, and this is where we'll get into Yannick Sinner's serve. Uh, You know, Mackie created a ton of chances for himself on the return of serve. He honestly had more success in Sinner's service games in set number one than he did his own, and, you know, obviously for Yannick Sinner, he had 10 set points 
in set number one and wasn't able to convert, you know, any of them until the 5-6 service game where Mackey just played. It, it kind of, you know, he was hanging on by a thread for so long in that first set and he just played a loose game there. Uh, but, you know, whether it was missed second serve returns or just, you know, sloppy first ball errors or to Mackey's credit, a big first serve, big plus one ball. It's just because Yannick Sinner, and I said this, I went on Monday match analysis, my friend Gil Gross returning champion here at Crack Rackets many a times uh, show to discuss this as well. It is one a little one-dimensional. Now, it's the best dimension to live in. He lives in the dimension of the top five, top ten players in terms of ball striking ability from the baseline. But, you know, again, I guess when you, a question I always like to ask nowadays, what's the weakness? I'm not exactly sure what the weakness, perhaps, if you can say the serve statistically, but 19 years old, that serve is going to get better. We'll get there in a second. You know, the weakness is it's one speed. It's a lot of power tennis, and you could tell as the match went on, Mackey found his rhythm, and Mackey's a guy who wants to take the ball early, hit the ball flat, use your spin to keep his ball in the court, get that ball down, and he found, it took him a couple games, but he found his rhythm. He found the cadence against Sinner, and I've said it all week long. I've said it throughout his career since we've had the podcast. Mackey is as good of a ball striker as you're going to find on the ATP Tour. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm saying he is as good as anyone you're going to find on the ATP Tour. And he started using the topspin of Sinner to take the ball early up the line, mixed in drop shots, moved comfortably forward to the net. You look for Mackey in terms of the statistics from the match. I mean, he got better and better as the match went on. Ends up winning, you know, 66% of his first serve points out of 63. You know, he made 63% of his first serves. That's a good clip. And he fought off 16 of the 21 break points he faced in this match. It was absolutely spectacular. And, you know, Mackey He's not a guy who shows a lot of outward emotion. He did in this match. And the DC crowd, they embraced him. It made for a super, super special electric environment. And again, when Mackey's clicking, I call it Mackey ball. It's spectacular. Up uh, early inside the baseline, on the rise, both wings. His backhand super compact. So again, his ability to absorb, redirect on that wing. While I think it's a little harder for him to generate pace on that side, Sinner's providing you all of the pace. So Mackey was not lacking. The big thing was the second serve, and you know he's twenty-one of forty-six on second serve points. Sinner was able, even on first serve looks, to just get a clean rip on the ball, get the point back to neutral. Meanwhile, Sinner only made fifty percent of his first serves, but he won. 72% of those first serve points, and you look for Yannick Sinner. I mean, the numbers on serve for him this past week were absolutely spectacular. Against, you know, dating back, he won 81%, excuse me, 85% of his first serve points against Rusevori, 72% against Korda, 93 against Johnson, 83 against Brooksby. Now here against a fantastic returner in Mackey, he wins 72% of them, fights off seven of the 11 break points he faced, played a really bad service game up 5-3 serving for that third set uh, in the end. But look, it was funny because he gets broken for 4-5. Then he creates a couple of match point chances for himself that Mackey, of course, escapes from 4-5 all. And Yannick Sinner's a guy who's known for his composure, known for his poise. He was furious. The look and the body language and the gesture he made toward his box, and I apologize for swearing, but he was like, listen, you guys. Like, whatever we're doing here, it's not working. 
And I'm not saying he was blaming his box, but it was internal fear. He's like, it's for myself. It's not working, and I'm angry at this, and I don't know why. I've had 21 breakpoint chances, and yet we're deep in the third set, and I could very well lose this match to Mackenzie McDonald. And guess what? He really could have lost this match. Mackie made the most of his chances, and just he plays a high-risk, high-variance game, but when that ball is landing in the court, he's hit, taking the ball early, and it's just it's really difficult uh and he's going to hang with you because he, he is a top 10, I think, mover on a hard court. He is that quick, and it's super, super uh, exciting tennis to watch. But look, this match was on Sinner's racket from the start. He had more power. In the end, his top spin overwhelmed Mackie McDonald. It was too difficult for Mackie to have to keep responding, reacting, going big down the line. And eventually, Sinner's power won out and. Look, I've mentioned the serving numbers all week long. He's 41st amongst, was 41st coming into the week amongst top 10 players and uh, top 50 players in first serve points one. He was 33rd in hold percentage. Those numbers after this week are up to both number 31 amongst top 50 players on the ATP tour. It speaks to, you know, again, the lack of sample size and how quickly these numbers can change, but it speaks to the fact that his serve is improving. And again, he said clearly in his press conferences, I did not play the Olympics because I wanted wanted a training block, and during that training block, I worked specifically on my serve, and that work paid dividends, and if you're watching a young player, you're trying to see how they progress, you want to see the things that they're working on, and you want to know that the things they're working on are making progress, and I think anyone who watched Sinner this week knows that his serve made progress, and again, first ATP 500 title of his career, third at the ATP level overall, fourth final for him uh, in these last 52 weeks in terms of just how many quarter finals he's made that is now he's made nine quarterfinals uh in the i believe let's see 24 events that he's played up to number 15 in the world you look at the race to the year-end finals center currently at number 10 i mean he's a guy who could play the next gen finals and he's got a pathway to the year-end finals as well you look for him he's 12th now in overall elo rating 14th in 2021 elo rating i mentioned it. he's 31st right now in hold percentage he is now up i believe Leave. Let's see, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15th in break percentage, and he's 19 years old. Yannick Sinner is an absolute stud. And again, Mackie McDonald, big winner from the past week. He goes up to number 64 in the rankings. That's seven off his career high of number 57, which he reached back in 2019. He's 31st now in the race to the year-end finals. He's currently, uh, you look at the overall ELO ratings, he went from number 98 last week up to number 58 this week. You look here, 2021 results, he's 36th overall. I think that's right. He's been a top 50 player borderline top 30 here this season finals of the city open fourth round of the australian open a lot of good hard court results for mackie mcdonald they are both unequivocally two winners of the week it was fantastic tennis again when you have 10 set points in the first set when you have 21 break points in the match it was on yannick sinner's racket but mackie competed so well you could tell the confidence he took from this event you could tell his embracing of the crowd even in a loss he left it on the court he brought his best tennis in that moment, played the best he could given the opponent, and he showed that he is right there uh, with a guy who is one of the 10 best talents on the ATP Tour, and so again, that was your final in DC in terms of some final takeaways here to wrap the show, because as I mentioned, I'm going to be talking San Jose, all the other ATP and WTA action next week. We'll bring in some Kalamazoo talk. I know I have to preview and discuss the thousand level events on both the men's and women's side, the return of Simona Halep. I'm well 
aware that we've got action going down in Canada and in Kalamazoo and in San Diego. It's our job here at Crack Rackets to cover all of it. So, yes, I understand my voice may sound a little bit hoarse today, rest assured. I'm just hitting the home stretch. I'm ready to rock and roll. But again, I'll look out. We cover the Challenger podcast on the GSP. Look out for more podcasts in the near future on all of those topics. But some final takeaways from the 2021 City Open. We got to talk. I know I talked to Brooksby stats yesterday. Jensen Brooksby, though, currently ranked number 21 in overall ATP ELO. You go to hardcourt-specific ELO. Jensen Brooksby right now, I mean, it's laughable just how high this kid is up. Uh, the the hardcourt-specific uh, ELO ratings, you look for him. He's, uh, I believe, right now number 19 amongst all players. That's, you know, certainly a, a little bit. Uh, I mean, you, you got to love to see that sort of metric. He's currently ranked, I believe, 17th in 2021-specific ELO. You look at his splits and how would they would break down overall all over these last 52 weeks. His hold percentage of 82.1, that number would be good. I believe uh, for number 17th tied with Taylor Fritz, you look at his break percentage uh, over these last 52 weeks, 32.3, that number would be good for fourth, trailing just Djokovic, Nadal, and Schwartzman. Now, of course, you have to adjust for competition, but the metrics say it, the eye tests say it. I'm not saying he's a Grand Slam champion in now or in the future. I am saying if, if we all see it, he's definitely a top 75 guy. I would say certainly top 50 belongs at the ATP level. On hard courts, you look at some of the other winners. I mentioned Mackie McDonald, his big rise up the ELO ratings. Got to give a shout out to Stevie J as well. He's playing good tennis. He's made a move back up. And again, it's it's nothing crazy, but you look for Stevie Johnson. He's back up to number 80. I think a big run this season for Dennis Kudla, 89. I mean, they both have been top 100 players. And I think, you know, the rankings reflect that fact as well. And by the way, worth mentioning once again, 14 Americans this week in the top 100. Haven't had that number in a super uh, long amount of time. You talk about the people right now who are at career highs. Tsitsipas, by the way, with Nadal losing at the City Open, surpasses him. So now it's Djokovic 1, Medvedev 2, Tsitsipas 3, Nadal 4, Zverev 5, Team 6, Rublev career high 7, Bertini career high 8, Shepovalov still at a career high of 10, Rude's at 12, Sinner's at 15. You look up and down, Cam Nori up to new career high, number 28, for Davidovich Fokina's at 34, Korda's at 45, Alcaraz, new career high right now in the live rankings, number 54, Nakashima's at number 86, you know, Surindolo, uh, who had a big week last week, won a challenger, he's up to a new career high, Francisco of number 111, all those names, young guys, 24 or younger, 23, 22, 21 range, they're making their move, the generational shift we talk about repeatedly is happening in front of our eyes, let's not miss that fact. And so obviously let's enjoy that here at Cracked Rackets. But again, that's the takeaways from DC it was super fun to be on the grounds. I can't thank people like Steve Pratt, Mark Ein, Carlos Silva, uh, obviously Ben Rothenberg for putting up with all my crap, all of the friends, Kellen Sung. I, I could go on and on about the people in the press room who are overwhelmingly kind to me and 
treated me better than I ever deserved to be treated. A huge thank you to my guy Omar at the ATP, everyone who made life easy. And, you know, again, what we want to do here at Crack Rackets is provide you all with all of the information, ensure you maintain your status as the most well-informed, best entertained, best educated fans about all things tennis. And, you know, the act, the ability to be on the ground certainly helps that fact. So a thank you to them for their patience. Thank you for you t- for your patience again. More talk on San Jose previews of the Canada 1000 level events coming up later this week. Be on the lookout for all of that. Be on the lookout from some content on the grounds in Kalamazoo. We're talking to college coaches. We're talking to Colette Lewis as well with all of that said, of course, to find all of the content, the website, crackrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at crackrackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Of course, like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the Great Shot Podcast, Cracked Interviews, and all of our Cracked Rackets content. And if you, of course, are doing so, you will hear the fantastic work of our super producers, Max Signer and Daniel Westhoff, who, as always, have a f- of an editing job to do day in, day out. A shout out as well to our friends over at Tennis Point. Remember, it's tennis point.com. Um, the promo code is CR15. With all that said, for super producers Fligner and Westhoff, our uh, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break, and we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.